So the other day, one of our kids came out into the living room wearing a shirt and shorts that clearly did not match. And my wife, Jennifer, very quickly noticed this mismatching outfit. And she said to this child, hey, do you want to change your shirt or do you want to change your shorts? At which point our child looked back at her and humorously said, well, I don't want to change either one of them. (laughs) And we had a good laugh because isn't that how we all think? Like we're comfortable how we are. We don't want to change. We don't want to change the easy stuff. We don't want to change the hard stuff. We just want to keep going how we are. But the problem is sometimes we identify issues in our life, problems in our life, and we understand that things will not get better unless we change. In this new Like You teaching series, we're talking about our relationships and how to change to make things better. But change is difficult. Change is uncomfortable. It's not easy to change. But our hope in this teaching series is that all of us will improve in our relationships in such a way that we can get better results. But to get better relationship results, we've got to have better wisdom, better thinking. We need God's help. And so here today, as we approach our relationships through the lens of what God has to bring to them, my hope is that you will see improvements, that you'll see growth, that you'll see healthier marriages and families and friendships. And so as we run after this today, we're going to go right after one of the most challenging parts of our relationship. You can find it in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, where it's a very clear indication of what's behind most of our relationship problems. Proverbs 13, 10 says, where there is strife, there is pride. Where there is strife, just underline this word is, there is pride. There is pride. You can just guarantee it. When you see conflict, when you see strife, you're just going to find under the surface that there's some level of pride. You know, most of our relationship problems have their root in this idea of pride. See, pride is a sin, and it's excessive and unhealthy preoccupation with self. It's the lens through which we view everything from our own perspective, what we want to get out of things, what's in it for us. And relationships do not function how God created them to function. They do not work right when our lens is always looking inward, when our lens is always looking downward at self instead of looking up and outward at others. It's just like driving. If you're looking down and at yourself, you're not going to drive because you're going to miss what you should be seeing when you look up. In 2016, there was a woman in New Jersey. She was in the city of Hazlitt, and she was driving down the road where she received a text message from her former sister-in-law. The, the text message was about their dinner plans that evening. They're heading across the bridge into New York City for dinner, and the text message simply said, Cuban, American, or Mexican, pick one. Well, later on, the police found this woman's phone with a reply that was half written. It merely said, M-E, presumably writing the word Mexican. But this woman never got to write her text and send the reply because as she was looking down at her phone, from what we know, her Mercedes-Benz smashed into a Toyota Corolla. She smashed into this Toyota that that lurched into an intersection, proceeding to kill a 39-year-old woman that was crossing by the road. It's a tragic story and so sad. The driver that was on her phone looking down instead of looking up, smashed her Mercedes-Benz into this Toyota, she was sentenced to five years in prison. Five years in prison because she was texting while driving. In the state of New Jersey, it was the first ever texting while driving criminal trial. And we can kind of learn from that something very clear in addition to don't text and drive. We can learn that when you're looking down instead of looking out, you can cause a lot of destruction. 
When you're moving through, the, through life, down the highway of life, and you're looking down at self, you're looking inward at self, instead of looking up and outward, you can cause a lot of relationship damage. A lot of destruction comes from us looking inward, looking at ourselves through the lens of pride. See, here's the lesson. A drifting focus is fatal to my relationships. A drifting focus is fatal to my relationships. When I drift away from where my vision should be on others, on their needs, on what benefits them, and I start to focus on my own needs, it causes a lot of relationship damage. Well, we tend to treat sin as if it's not that big of a deal. Hey, we, well, none of us are perfect. We all struggle. We all have a little pride. So we just kind of have this, this minimizing effect that we have when it comes to sin. But when you read scripture, you, you never see God minimizing sin ever anywhere. It's always a big deal because God knows that it's like a cancer to our soul. That's why he sent his son Jesus 2,000 years ago to give his life on the cross to literally die for us because of our sin. Because he wanted us to live and he knew that sin would kill us and end in destruction and eternal death, separation from God in heaven. We would never get to heaven. We would never be reunited with God in relationship because of our sin. It was that big of a deal that he sent his son to die because of our sin. And, and so because God never minimizes sin, we, we want to look at it clearly through God's lens. And, and pride in our relationship, I, I want us today to see how big of a deal it is to God, how much it ruins our relationships, how, how big and far-reaching of an issue it is, and how we can deal with it, how we can change it so that we can get better relationship results. I'm telling you, if, if you want to have less strife, in fact, I titled this message, Stop the Strife. If you want to have less strife in your relationships, more joy, more peace, more love, I'm telling you, this is a great place to put your focus, to minimize and eliminate pride from our life. Well, to do that today, we're going to look at a story in Daniel chapter 4. It's a story of King Nebuchadnezzar who ruled around 605 to 562 B.C. He was the greatest king of ancient Babylon. And he, he ruled in the city of Babylon, in modern-day Iraq, about 50 miles south of the city of Baghdad. And under his rule, Babylon literally flourished. He died in his 43rd year of reigning Babylon as the most powerful monarch in the Near East. And we're going to pick up part of his story in Daniel chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. And as I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So Daniel is one of his advisors. He's a man of God that lives in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to call on Daniel eventually to come and interpret this dream for him to help him. At which point Daniel does, through God's divine help and his supernatural ability that God's given him, he, di he discerns and deciphers what this dream means, means and he tells King Nebuchadnezzar. Now what we're going to read is, is how this dream actually comes to pass. In Daniel chapter 4, picking up the story in verse 28. All of this, meaning all of the dream that Daniel had, had shared with him, all, all the interpretation, it says, all of this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. 
Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live among the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you're not, you're, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what he had said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people, and he ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and until his nails grew like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does what he pleases. With the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So Nebuchadnezzar had an issue with pride. He looked out over all the things in his life and he says, look what I have done. Look what I have done. And when the word I or me or mine starts to creep into your vocabulary, you know you're headed towards problems. When you start getting that lens of pride where you're looking down, looking at self, you're thinking about your situation and what you've done, what you've accomplished, what you need, or why you're the victim. When we get this inward focus, we know that we're starting to slip into pride. And Nebuchadnezzar, he realized very quickly this lesson I'd love for you to write down. Pride elevates self above God and above others. Pride elevates self above God and above others, and it causes all kinds of problems. God takes it seriously, and he took it seriously with Nebuchadnezzar, so much so that he took away something that Nebuchadnezzar loved. He looked out, and he loved his kingdom. He loved his life. Things were so good. And because he did not recognize that it was a gift from God, and instead he claimed He claimed, as if he was the one that did all these things himself, because he did not acknowledge God, God took those things away from him, right? So God takes pride very seriously. And pride steals from us the things God wants to give to us. Pride steals from us the good things God wants to give to us because we try to reach out and take instead of receive what God gives and and then return praise to him. We instead start to take for ourselves, and it takes from us what we really want. Pride's dangerous that way. Pride gets us thinking from our own perspective and keeps us from thinking from others' perspectives. This happens in marriages all the time. It happens in friendships. It happens in business partnerships. Pride gets us to think only about our perspective. Jennifer's birthday was just recently, and and we had this conversation around her birthday. Um, Her favorite restaurant is Chipotle, and we were kind of talking about the restaurant, and and Jen's an interior designer, and she was saying, yeah, they've, they've recently painted our Chipotle here in Clearwater. They painted the ceiling gray. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure the ceiling is black. And she said, no, no, it's, it's gray. And I said, no, I, no I'm, I'm telling you, babe, I'm sure it's, it's black. 
And so we got into this random conversation about the ceiling of Chipotle. Well, it's her birthday, and we did something special for her and, and had, went out to a restaurant, this sort of thing. And I said, well, it's your birthday. How about this? We, we've all eaten. Can I just take you there to get your favorite meal for dinner tonight so you can have it for dinner? And we'd already eaten and everything. And, and she said, no, no, I'm fine. I'm like, no, I'd really like to take you there to get your favorite meal. And she said, you don't want to take me there to get my favorite meal. You want to take me there to prove to me that the ceiling is black and not gray. And I said, no, no, I really do want you to eat your favorite meal today on your birthday, but I do also want you to eat your words because you're wrong. <laughs> the ceiling is black. And, and I just knew that. I knew that the ceiling is black. And so we go over there to get her her birthday dinner. And so we're, we're pulling into Chipotle and, and we're walking in and I, I'm kind of leading the pack because I'm excited. I can't wait to get in there and just open the door and be like, ta-da. I, just, I can't wait to show her the black ceiling. And I walk into the Chipotle and I look up, it's gray. <laughs> it's gray and I'm, I'm humbled. I'm, I'm eating out the one eating my words. I'm eating humble pie. And she walks in with a smile on her face and she was gracious, but we all knew what happened, right? Dad got it wrong. So we get back in the vehicle and our kids, oh, they're just loving this. They're just loving this because dad has been humbled, right? Our girls, they're nine and 11. They start chanting, mom is right. Dad is wrong. Mom is right. Dad is wrong. And they're just loving this. I'm like, oh, you guys just just live it up, eat it up because it only happens like once a year. (laughs) Yeah, we we had a lot of fun, but you know, this this is what pride does. It gets us thinking from our perspective what we think is right, our side of things. And and so much conflict in our life, so many issues in our life come from us seeing only our perspective, our lane. And and we have our understanding, our way of thinking about things. And in a relationship, so many problems come when we don't put ourselves in the other person's shoes. And, and, And pride keeps us from putting ourselves in the other person's shoes, from really hearing them, hearing what they're saying, hearing what they're not saying, seeing what's going on in their life and understanding their perspective. Pride keeps us from seeing through the lens of others. It hinders us from seeing through God's lens, our lives, all that he's provided, what he's done. And King Nebuchadnezzar in this story, he, he looks out and he sees what he's done. He's, he's seeing through his lens. He's literally looking at his world and saying, look, look what I've done. And in his pride, God realizes that because he is prideful, God now is in a position where he needs to humble him. He needs to humble him so he can see truth. But when you humble yourself, this amazing what God does is he, he elevates you. He elevates things in our, in our lives. Here, here's another lesson. Humility elevates God and others above self. Humility elevates God and others above self. So, so pride is, is the opposite of what God wants for us, but humility is his desire. Because when we live a life of humility, we're not thinking about self. Instead, we're thinking about God and we're thinking about others. And this is where relationships really thrive is in humility. And I want to point you to a scripture passage here in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 5. It says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Let me just pause there for a moment. So he opposes the proud. So I think of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and, and because he, King Neb was so prideful, God opposed him. He pushed him out of power. He took away the things that he loved. But look at verse six. It says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves before God so that he may lift you up. Pride causes us to lift ourselves up, to elevate ourselves, our own comfort, our own perspective, our own desires and dreams and goals. But when we instead in in humility honor God and lift him up and humility honor and lift others up, then we put God in a position where he wants to elevate and raise us. 
because he knows he can trust us. He knows that we're not going to reach for what he doesn't want to have for us. And in humility, there's fertile ground for God's blessing. It's as if humility is a magnet for God's favor and God's provision and God's blessing. Those who walk in humility, they get to experience the elevating power of God's grace and his work in their life. In fact, it takes humility to receive the gospel, to humble myself and say, I'm a sinner. I got it wrong. I need your grace. It it takes humility to receive what God wants to give. Humility is powerful. And and I, I wanted to help us have a visual so that we would not forget what happens in pride and what happens in humility and what God wants to accomplish in our relationships in regard to pride and humility. So I was thinking about our, our mall. You know, we have a countryside mall here in Clearwater where I live, and, and it's, it's a beautiful mall. It's got an ice skating rink right in the center of our mall. It's a two-story mall. And right next to the ice skating rink, there's an escalator. And this escalator, is, it looks out over the ice skating rink. It's beautiful, and, and it's actually, there's, there's two of them right next to each other. One goes up and one goes down. And if you pull into the mall, you know, you strategize, where's the store I want to go to? Is it on level one? Is it on level two? And you park somewhere on the upper lot or the lower lot. And, and let's say you, you, you park on the lower lot in this mall and you do your shopping and maybe you're getting somebody a gift. And, and before you leave, you, re, you remember there's something up on level two that you need to get as well. And so before you leave, you, you go up the escalator and you're traveling up and you go to the store and you shop and you realize that the only way you're going to get back to your vehicle is if you go back down the escalator. Same is true, right? If you come in the mall and you're on the upper deck and you go shopping and you realize you need something down below, you have to travel down the escalator, right? You do your shopping and the only way to get back to your vehicle is you got to go back up from where you came. And I was thinking about how something could be incredibly powerful for us and really helpful for us to remember this idea of honor and humility and pride. You know, we all are familiar with staircases and escalators. Now, I want you to imagine with me, as I write this word honor up here, that this ascending escalator represents how most people strive for the honor. Just like Jesus said, we strive for the best seat at the table. We're striving to be the honored guest. We're all looking to be elevated. We're all looking to get to our dreams. We're all trying to ascend to where we want to go. Now, the problem is what we just read in Scripture is that if we elevate ourselves, we try to honor ourselves, we live for our own glory, we put God in a position where he needs to humble us. In in King Nebuchadnezzar's case, he had to take from him his glory. He had to take from him his power and authority because he was prideful. He was living for himself. He was saying, look what I did. He was elevating himself instead of elevating God, and so God had to humble him. Those who, who lift themselves up, God has to bring them low. Those who in pride glorify themselves, God has to humble. However, those who humble themselves and those who are willing to say, hey, it's not about me. It's about you. I want to serve you. It's about God. Those who humble themselves, God elevates. Now, now I want to show you something. You've been on an airport, you know, moving sidewalk, or maybe you've been over at Universal City Walk, and they have the moving sidewalk there, and they have the voice that comes over the screen and says, hey, if you're standing on the moving sidewalk and someone's coming behind you, just move to the right. 
Because sometimes people are, are moving forward. They're moving upward on this escalator as well. And so you just have to move over to let them through. And we're okay with this kind of honor, right? When the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 to honor one another above ourselves, we're okay with that as long as we can still get where we're going. As long as we still get some of the glory. As long as we're still honored, that's fine. I, I can move over. I can make some room for you. I can elevate you. That's okay. We're still going in the same direction. But, but the problem is that Honoring others, serving others, humbling ourselves, it's not always we're still rising and we're just pushing others up along with us. No, sometimes it means that we disadvantage ourselves. And if you think about what, what Jesus did on the cross, he gave. And a big part of humility is, is to give, right? And so Jesus gave of his life. He, he descended in humility. He descended from his, his glory, his throne in heaven. He descended down to earth, right? He, he died on the cross. He says, Father, if there's any other way, I don't want to go through this, but I will. And so he did. He, he went through this, this humbling process. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, right? It says that in Philippians, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death. And because he did this, God elevated him, right? I mean, he, he's now the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the name above all names. Every, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. So his ultimate glory, because he, he descended to earth, he descended in humility, he gave of himself, and so God glorified him. When, when you give of yourself, when you humble yourself, then, then God can raise you and elevate you. And Jesus, this is exactly what he did. He didn't seek the honor for himself. He didn't seek the glory for himself, but he, he sought the glory of the Father. He came and he gave his life on the cross. And because he gave his life on the cross, and he, and he didn't come seeking to be served, but instead to serve, his whole life pointed towards God. And God ultimately elevated him. The Father elevated him. Jesus, God in the flesh, God elevated him. And, and I just think that so many of us, we're still in this, this trap of trying to elevate ourselves in our relationship. We're, we're trying to get the credit. Look what I did. We're, we're trying to get our perspective. Hey, look what, look what my way is. We're, we're trying to get our needs met. We're trying to get our goals accomplished, and we're trying to elevate and reach for. And, and the Bible gives us a clear example of what Jesus did. He descended. He, he disadvantaged himself. He, he humbled himself. And so in the end, he actually was able to be elevated. And, and so I hope that kind of gives you a, a, an example and a perspective on what this verse is talking about. I want to circle back and read it one more time. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Take a look. It says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Isn't that so clear now with the, with the visual? Doesn't that help? God opposes the proud, those who seek honor, those who seek glory for themselves. God humbles them, right? He, he humbles those who honor themselves, that lift themselves up. But those who humble themselves, it tells us that God elevates them. He shows favor to them. Now, it, it tells us here that it commands us here to clothe ourselves with humility. What does that look like? If we could come to a place where we understand and agree that pride is destructive, that, that pride ruins all kinds of things in our relationship, how do we get to a place of clothing ourselves with humility? What, is, what does that actually look like and how can I accomplish that? Well, first of all, I have to acknowledge the danger of pride. You don't fix a problem that you're not aware of. Like if, if it ain't broke, then don't fix it, right? We, we, we don't go looking to fix things that are not broken. One author said that pride is the deadliest of all sins because it leads to all the other sins. 
once we recognize the danger of pride, of, of looking at life through our own lens, our side of things, our perspective, what we want, how we view things, what we need, when, when we start to realize that viewing life that way causes all kinds of damage, it causes all kinds of destruction, once we see that, we can identify all sorts of other problems that are related to pride. For example, we, we see that, that prejudice grows in the soil of pride. Now, when we're prejudiced against other people, other groups of people, right? Harshness grows out of, conflict grows out of pride, right? Ungratefulness grows out of pride, right? There's all sorts of problems that emerge when someone has a, a prideful heart. We don't see our own flaws, and so we get stuck in life. We stop growing. When we're, we have a prideful heart, we think we've got it figured out. We have all the answers, so we stop growing. We, start, we stop asking questions and looking for answers and seeing how we can grow. In fact, again, it, it takes humility to even receive salvation, to reach out to God and say, God, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Pride hinders all the good things that God wants to bring in our life, and it accelerates all the evil that the devil is trying to bring into the world. In fact, Jesus was constantly confronting pride, even among the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. If you study the Gospels, he was constantly talking to them about that, that inward spiritual pride. He, he said, on outside, you make things look good. You're following all the rules, and, but you're condemning other people, and you have this arrogance and pride. You want to be seen and noticed, and you want other people to look up to you and honor you and respect you. And so you do all these things in front of others to get the glory. You're reaching for the honor. You're reaching for the glory for yourself. And so he had to humble them because he says, in your heart, there's all kinds of, of sin and, and evil. So, so God, God notices pride and he honors humility. He elevates it. He finds favor. So how do, we, how do we clothe ourselves with humility? Well, like we said, the first thing you do is you need to identify that you have an issue. You need to identify if there's, there's pride there. But the second thing is to ask this question. This question is very simple, but am I seeking God's best for you? As you look at that question, I just want you to think about God's best for your life is fulfilled as you seek God's best for the people around you. God doesn't want you to live a life just for your self-interest and your self-benefit. He does want to bless you. He does have a plan for your life. But part of his plan is for you to elevate your spouse, to pour into your children, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, God has great plans for you, but they include you seeking the best for others. And in humility, when you start to flip your perspective from that self-viewfinder, what's in it for me, to, hey, what's in it for you? How can I help you? How can I elevate you? How can I honor you? Then God blesses that sort of relationship. God blesses that sort of person because our perspective completely changes. Part of this is developing and cultivating a generous spirit. Cultivate a generous spirit. Do you see that? Write it down. Cultivate a generous spirit. If you want to grow in your relationships, get a generous heart towards others. Think of ways that you can bless people. Think of ways that you can serve others. Think of ways that you can elevate others and make things better for them. As you start to be generous towards others, you see that life is so much better. The picture is so much better. See, a lot of us are still in selfie mode. <laughs> my son, Jalen, he'll steal my phone all the time. He's got my password. And I'll look back at my photos later and find that he has taken all of these crazy pictures of himself making funny faces on my phone, just, just to have fun with dad. And it always makes me laugh. It's hilarious. But in our selfie culture where it's a common thing to grab your phone and take a picture of yourself, sometimes you'll laugh because you'll be walking down the street or you'll be at the beach and you see someone, they're holding their hand up and, and, and they're taking a picture. They're the only one around. They're the only one in the frame and they're smiling and they're posing, right? And it's just kind of a funny thing to see someone taking the picture and the lens is on themselves. 
And it's so much better to get other people in your lens, to flip that thing around and, and point it towards others. Hey, this is not about me. This is about you. How can I serve you? How can I give to you? How can I bless you? How can I help you with your dreams? And as you honor others above yourself, as you elevate others, you see God do incredible things in your relationships. You see, relationships really change. It, it gets good when you start to use all of your time, your talent, and your treasures to honor God and to bless others. I mean, what could God do if we surrendered our life to him through a generous spirit and said, hey, God, everything I have is from you and everything is for you. What, what could God do? In fact, that, that's this next point. Maybe you want to write this down. Take a look. My life is from God and my life is for God. My life is from God and for God. You know, this is, this is such a powerful prayer because every one of us lives naturally like King Nebuchadnezzar did. Without God and, and on our own, we would do exactly what he did. We would look at our life and say, hey, look what I've done. Look what I have. Look what I own. Look what's for me. But just like with King Nebuchadnezzar, when we get in that prideful attitude about life, it's, it's from me, it's for me, God has to humble us. But instead what we want to do is say, hey, God, all things are from you. This is a powerful prayer. If, if nothing else, you can take this prayer with you this week. Hey, God, all of these things in my life, every good thing, it's from you. All good things in my life come from the Father in heaven. But also, my life is for a purpose. It's for you. I'm living to please you, to give you glory. And when we start to approach life with that perspective, things get really exciting. Relationships grow. Our lives flourish before the Lord. Even in trial and hardship, there's a joy there because we are not living for self, for our comfort, for our pleasure. We're living for God's purpose. How, how do you endure difficult times when you're going through struggle and strife? Well, you realize, hey, I'm living for God. So whatever God allows in my life and whatever comes my way, it's going to be okay because I'm living for him and not for myself. Some of our biggest letdowns in life come when we don't get what we want because we're living for our comfort. So we're not comfortable. We're not getting what we want. So we're disappointed. But when I'm living for God's glory and his pleasure, then I'm not living for what I want. And so I'm less often disappointed and I'm more often filled with hope and joy. So what we want to do is we want to flip our perspective from a self perspective to a God perspective and to a perspective on others. What is it this week that you need to do to clothe yourself in humility in your relationship? If you do, I believe you're gonna see God's tremendous blessing at work in your family and in your friendships and in your life. Right on? Right on. Hey, let's pray. God, please help us to have the wisdom to choose to clothe ourselves in humility. It's not an easy thing to change. God, we don't like to change. Change is not, not an easy thing to do, but God, we want better results and different results in our families and in our friendships. In every relationship, God, we want you to be pleased and glorified. So give us wisdom to not live with a prideful heart, to not honor ourselves, but instead to honor others and elevate others and ultimately elevate your name in our life, to live for your glory, to live for your pleasure so that your kingdom can come and your will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.